Thank you so much. Thank you genuinely for that wonderful welcome. I do appreciate it. And I love coming here. Thank you, Tim, Helen, David, Magdi, the team, uh, for the invite once again and the joy of sharing with you in, in interesting seasons. And, uh, and obviously, I'm looking at a masked audience. Um, <laughs> But, but hopefully under the mask, you're, you're smiling and you're happy and you're with me. And what a wonderful thing to have some live worship, right? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Uh, and to be able to share it together. And it's my joy uh, today to sort of continue the series that we're doing together called uh, Deep in Prayer. I love that. And one of the things I really love, I'm excited about, as far as my part is concerned, is that you've connected the conversation about prayer with the Word of God. And I think that's so, so important. We sometimes see prayer as a separate thing, like from the Bible. It's something I do over here, and the Bible's over here. And yet, of course, the Bible is full of amazing moments of prayer, as well as incredible insights and the principles that help us to pray more effectively. And my theme this morning is dwelling in the Word. And in particular, we're going to be looking at the idea of meditation. Okay, so that's going to be uh, our theme today. So if you've got a Bible with you, uh, or at home, come on, pajama people, get your Bible out, let's do this. Um, We're going to be looking together at uh, Psalm 1, the very first Psalm in the Old Testament. So it's Psalm 1, and we're going to just read the whole of that beautiful Psalm together. And what's really interesting, and a song that sort of in Hebrew means uh, songs or the idea of like prayer songs within that, uh, it begins with the word of God. It's really interesting that it kicks off with that idea. And so it says this, verse one, blessed is the man. Of course, uh, that also speaks to women in this context. Blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. The person who meditates is like a tree planted by streams of living water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Beautiful, beautiful uh, little psalm that we're going to be reflecting on. I don't know if any of you have ever come across the message translation of the Bible. So the message translation of the Bible, it was a piece of work by a man called Eugene Peterson. Some of you may have come across that person. Unfortunately for us, as far as the church is concerned, he passed away a couple of years ago. Fantastic author and a beautiful, beautiful man, a beautiful teacher of the Word of God. And he did this amazing work brought out in 2002 called The Message. It's a sort of a paraphrased translation of the Bible. My wife loves it. She has her NIV Bible right beside her message Bible, side by side. She absolutely uh, loves it and has enjoyed it. But not only my wife enjoyed it, a man called Bono. So Bono is the lead singer of the rock group U2. And Bono, when uh, the message came out, so loved it that he sent a video message in which he said, for the first time, I've been able to read the Bible in what feels like my own language. 
So impressed was he by the message that when he was interviewed by Rolling Stones magazine, he talked about the message translation of the Bible. He waxed lyrical about this man, Eugene Peterson, who had done this amazing work and how much he was enjoying the message version. One of Eugene Peterson's students brought in Rolling Stone magazine to the class and went up to Professor Peterson afterwards and said, you've got a mention in Rolling Stones. Well, Eugene Peterson didn't even know what Rolling Stones was. Um, And so he read the article, and at the end of the article, he said to the student, who's Bono? Okay. Now, now the backstory to this is Bono was so touched by the Word of God through the Message Bible that he reached out to Eugene Peterson and asked if Peterson would meet him for an interview. Has that ever happened to you, Tim? No, no, not yet, not yet. Imagine getting a call from Bono's office that he wants to meet with you because, well, because Peterson didn't know who he was and Peterson was very busy, he turned him down, refused to meet him. And so carried on with his life. A few years later, he was being interviewed in Point Loma Nazarene University by a guy called, well, by Dean Wilson. And, and, and the dean was interviewing Peterson about this moment where he turned Bono down because it had, it had gone into the, the sort of ether as a bit of a myth story. And he was trying to find out, was this true? And so he said this, uh, Dean Nelson said this, he said, uh, when Bono invited you to hang out with him, he said, you turned him down. Peterson replied, I was pushing a deadline on the message and was finishing up with the Old Testament at the time, and I really couldn't do it. Then Nelson retorted with this comment, you may be the only person alive who would turn the opportunity down to meet Bono just to meet a deadline. He said to, to Peterson, I mean, come on, he said, it's Bono for crying out loud. Now, this was conducted in front of a live audience and all the young people in the university laughed at this point. And you can see this on YouTube. Check this out for yourself. Peterson waited for the laughter to die, die down. He looked straight at Dean Wilson and here's what he said. But Dean, it was Isaiah. <laughs> now, that was a moment that really caught me. Eugene Peterson turned down Bono because he was enjoying Isaiah so much. All right? Isaiah, by the way, is a book in the Bible, just in case you weren't sure about that. Who's Isaiah? Is he a rock star as well? No, no. He's an author in the Bible. Okay. Now, now I love this idea, and the reason I've introduced our, our, our conversation on meditating on the Bible with that story is because we live in a world of absolute distraction. In fact, you're you're reflecting on that in your week coming up here. We live in probably the noisiest generation in the history of the world. There are voices all the time calling to you. Now, it may not be Bono, but there are things that are calling to you all the time. And like Peterson, we need to learn to say no to Bono in order to say yes to Isaiah. Are you with me? Now, this is the challenge. So when it goes, when we start thinking about going deeper into anything, going deeper into something means we're going to have to let go of other things. You can't go deeper into everything. Can you? We can only go deeper into 
some things. And in order to go deeper into one thing, we're going to have to sort of let go or hold back on other things. And, and here's, here's Peterson saying, but it was Isaiah. And I, I love this. I think this is what Psalm 1 really grabs. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, why does the man in Psalm 1 meditate on the word of God? He meditates on it because it's his delight. It's something that's really important to him. It's something that he has deemed as essential in order to have the type of life that God wants him to have. And you and I are living in a world that is competing more for your time more for your energy, more for your attention, more for your energy than in any other part of human history. And, I, and I'm not trying to decry previous generations when I say that. I mean, the sheer level of noise that you have contended with just to get here this morning. Yes? Yeah. We, we are living in an incredibly noisy, busy, full demanding sort of world. And so when it comes to things like dwelling in the word and meditating, it sounds so like out there. It sounds, how on earth am I going to find the time and the space and the inclination to lean into the word, to dwell in the word, to meditate on the word when I've got a gazillion demands crying out for me? And I love this. If, if we're prepared to make the journey that this series is helping us in, to go deeper, the natural process of going deeper is going to mean we're going to have to make some choices. We're going to have to prioritize certain things and we're going to have to allow other things to find a place so that we can become what we are believing that Jesus is calling us to be. Does that, does that make sense to you? So if we're gonna if we're gonna delight in this law, if we're gonna meditate in this law, and my goodness, look at the benefits of doing all of that. You know, really beautiful pictures, which we'll touch on right at the end. If we're gonna get all the benefits of that, then we've gotta we've gotta sort of make that a priority. And there may be moments when we have to turn Bono down in order to spend time with Isaiah. And here's what I've discovered in my journey as a Christian. Please forgive me if this is not you. But here's what I've discovered. Beautiful, beautiful followers of Jesus want the payoff without the price. So we want all the benefits that the Word of God wants to give us. But we're not so keen and all that, and all that digging in stuff. And all that setting time aside stuff. But can I say this, brothers and sisters, without putting anybody under pressure or making anybody feel guilty, when it comes to the Word of God and the sort of benefits that we have of dwelling in the Word, there are sort of no shortcuts, really. We're, no, no matter how hard we try to sound bite the Bible, actually, if we really want to get to it, we, we've got to give it a little bit of time. Within that, So it's important for us to think about that. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on that law, he meditates. What, what does that word actually mean? Well, in the context of the Old Testament part of the Bible, there are sort of two big words. There's, there's a number of other words, but two sort of dominant words. And in fact, the, the first word is in, our, is in our text. And the word here means, quite literally, the idea to mutter or to speak. 
So that's the big driving idea of meditate. It's the idea to mutter or to speak within that. Now, it it can by implication be something that feels a bit internal, but the idea really is that this person is muttering over, speaking over, uh, reflecting over the Word of God. He meditates on that day and night. So that doesn't mean he's sitting in a sort of a lotus position in his office for 24 hours a day, sort of meditating on the Word of God. It means that wherever he's going, whatever he's doing in his everyday world, family, work, all the normal demands of life, as he is doing that, what's he doing? He's muttering. <laughs> he's talking it over. He's, he's chewing it. All right? And, and we have this misconception sometimes about meditating, that in order to meditate, I've got to be sort of, you know, in a place, uh, uh, no one around me, and just me on my own. But actually, if, if we're going to meditate day and night, that's impossible, right? So, so meditation must be something we can do while we're doing other things. It's possible to learn to mutter, to talk over, to talk with, to talk through the Bible when, when we're actually doing other things. The other idea of this particular, uh, another word within the Old Testament scriptures captures exactly the same idea of muttering or talking, but also carries with it the idea of confession. And even, strongly, complaint. So, so the word in our text is Hagah. The, the other word is Sitak. And it means, really, the idea of talking and muttering, but with a confessional element to it. You're sort of really speaking this out. And it can, in its most powerful sense, it can lean into the idea of complaint. When we move into the New Testament, Paul says to Timothy, be diligent in these matters, 1 Timothy 4, give yourself wholly to them, so that everyone may see your progress. Now, weirdly, the word be diligent there could be translated meditate. And the idea of the word there is that something is so strong on you, you've got such a a, a care for it or a sense of it in terms of its importance on you that you think about it so that then you can execute it effectively. So in fact, the word that's used there uh, can also be added to in order to mean sort of premeditate, the idea of think before you do something so that you can do it well. So so when we put all these ideas together, the the sort of two big words in the Old Testament in the Hebrew Bible, and this idea of militeo in the New Testament of something that's strong on you that you are pondering and thinking about so that you can put it into practice. We summarize the idea of meditation in this way. So here's how I summarize it. So it makes it, for me, dead simple to know what I'm thinking about. Meditation is, as it were, the rehearsing of the Word of God through thought and speech. That's it. So when we put all those ideas together, mutter and muse and think about and confess and talk about, it's this sort of idea. What am I doing when I'm meditating? I am rehearsing something I've engaged with in the Word of God in both my mind internally and my speech externally. Okay? So, so actually, when we think about that, that can be really, really helpful. Now, an analogy that's sometimes used, an example of this, is, is of cows chewing the cud. 
Now, I, I struggle with this analogy simply because most people do not identify with this at all. And the reason this is used is because the idea of the cow is, the, you know, the cow uh, eats the grass, chews, chews, chews. In fact, has this sort of sideward sizer movement with his, with his jaw. He then swallows the grass, regurgitates it, chews it again, swallows it. And this process goes on. And the idea really is that the, the cow is ruminating in such a way that it's getting everything out of the grass it can possibly get. It's, it's really squeezing every ounce of it out. Now, if that sort of helps you, that's great. But, but for some people, that's not very helpful. But the idea is this. It's the, it's the idea of chewing over, thinking over. It's the idea of talking over. Not just, not just reading and then letting it slide past you, but grabbing it and chewing it. I, I have two sausage dogs. Pepperoni, the boy sausage dog, and salami, the girl sausage dog. And if you feed them a little treat, they eat differently. So if you throw pepper a bit of ham or something, pepper will almost swallow it whole. Okay, he's just learned to grab it. Now, whether that's because he's afraid of salami to, trying to grab it off him or something, but pepper literally just swallows it. Whereas salami, whatever you give her, she will chew it. She'll chew the life out of it before she swallows it. And actually, in, in many ways, that's the sort of challenge when we come to the Word of God. We must be careful not just to engage with the Word and swallow it. Okay, I've read my Bible today. Gulp. Tick. No, no. The point of the Word of God is not to swallow the point of the word of God is to chew. Chew it. Now, swallow it eventually. It becomes part of our hearts, part of our world, part of our inner thinking. But, but chew on it. Now, what meditation is, is training yourself to chew. Okay, chew your food. Slow down and chew your food. And that's the challenge because many of us are living in such a demanding, noisy busy world that it's easier to gulp than chew. Is that okay? Or is that just my world? Okay. It's easier to gulp than chew. Now, what we're trying to train ourselves to do in going deeper is recognizing if I'm going to go deeper, then I've, I've got to try and take this idea of chewing a bit more seriously. And how do I do that? We're going to lean into some practical tips on how to do that. But it's really important that when we think about meditating, we understand what we're thinking about. That actually, it means the idea of chewing, muttering, musing, talking. So our definition is to rehearse the Word of God through thought and speech. Is that helpful? Okay, so maybe that'll make sense as we go further into our conversation. So what should be the focus of our meditation? So when people think of the word meditation, they often think about maybe a, a worldview of meditation other than a Bible worldview. And there's a view of meditation out there that says this. If you're going to meditate, you empty your mind of everything. Empty your mind of all thought. Bring calm to your world. Now, as far as a Bible worldview of meditation is concerned, we're at the absolute opposite of that idea. 
The Bible nowhere, nowhere encourages us to empty our minds. Not once. Won't find it anywhere in the scriptures. In fact, what the Bible encourages us to do is to fix our minds on something. Literally, we're told in Hebrews, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Paul tells us, whatever's good and pure and wholesome and upright, fix your mind. Think about these things. We are we're not told to empty our mind. That's a very dangerous thing because empty things get filled. And the Bible wants you in control of what fills your mind. All right? So we don't want any old nonsense filling our mind. If we're going to be men and women who go deeper in prayer, if we're going to be men and women who go deeper into the Word, then actually we want to be really intentional about ensuring that our mind is getting filled with the right sort of stuff that's going to help us. So biblical meditation is not about emptying your mind. It's about filling it. Now, this is so important because then this really positions us as to the next question. Okay, how? Or on what do I fill my mind? Okay, John, I need to fill my mind with something. So what do I do? Let me give you three tips of things that I... So everything I'm about to tell you, I not only believe in the Bible, but I'm personally doing. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not trying to ask you to buy something that I don't own or on this issue. Okay, so, so these are things that I personally have tried over the years to train myself on as far as the Word of God is concerned. Three things to fill your mind with. Number one. Uh, we can meditate on the Lord himself. Okay? Now, that's what we've been trying to do today in worship. That's what worship does. Worship, when we come together corporately, is about training me to forget about what's going on in my world for five minutes and focus my mind on the one true living God, the Savior of the world. Amen? So, so that's why worship is so important. But actually, we can, can I, I'll use the language again, we can train ourselves to do this every day, even without the fantastic uh, worship group we had today leading us. It is something we can train our mind to do. Here's what David said in Psalm 63. He said, on my bed, I remember you. And then he says this, I think of you, the same word that's in our Psalm 1, I meditate on you through the watches of the night. Now let's apply our definition to that. If meditating is rehearsing the word of God through thought and word, then here's what David is doing. In the night watches, when he's maybe anxious and worried and things are bothering him, what's he doing? He is deliberately and intentionally rehearsing who God is through his mind and his words. That's meditating. And there's no greater thing to fill your mind with in him come on that's the truth we we want to be people who focus on him so so personally I try to do this every single day I have certain statements about him that are rooted in the bible that I make my mind think about and I make my mouth say whether I'm having a good day a bad day or an ugly day. Come on. Come on, are you with me? Now, if I waited for atmosphere, if I waited for a band, if I waited for goose pimples, it'll never happen. 
So meditation is something we can do without emotion and without feeling. It is something we train ourselves to do. Now, it may bring emotion, it may bring blessing, it may bring feelings, but we're training ourselves to do this. So one of my confessions, for example, is from Exodus chapter 34. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. So, so one of my first confessions in the morning that I meditate on before I start my day, before I do my workout, before I get to work, before I walk the dogs, before I do anything, is that I am training my mind to think on him and speak about him. And it's amazing, the more you get into the groove of doing that, it's like the juices of that statement start to flow. Now, it may not happen immediately. It may not happen in your first go. That's why you keep chewing. Well, I chewed on that once, John, and nothing happened. Yeah, well, keep chewing on it. Keep chewing. Don't just swallow and give up. Chew it again. Train yourself. And that, I found out a tremendous practice. Secondly, meditate on his words or his word. Think about the things he has said to you. He has said to us as a Christian community. Here's what David said in our psalm. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law. Now, it means the detail of the words. On the detail, he meditates day and night. About seven, eight days ago, I was in the book of Hebrews as part of my everyday devotional reading of the Bible, and I got to Hebrews chapter 6, and I got to verse 10, and it was like something jumped out at me. And in that verse, God is speaking to his people, and he's saying to them, listen, I know the work you've done, and that work in serving God's people has been an expression of love for me, but there were two phrases that grabbed me. God does, is not unjust, and God does not forget. God is not unjust, God is not. So as I'm reading the Bible, I grab that and that became my chewing stuff for the day. Every single moment that I had a conscious thought that day in terms of not directly doing other things, I thought, God, you are not unjust and you do not forget. You are not unjust and you do not forget. And it becomes a thought process in my mind. I'm thinking about a God who is so good that he is not unjust and so good that he will not forget. All right? Then the third thing to think about are his works. So who he is, what he said, what he's done. Come on now. That's good stuff to fill your head with, right? Think about the world we live in and how broken and and devastated it is. We are filling our mind with who he is, with what he said, and what he's done. Here's what David says in Psalm 145. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. That's the word there, the other Hebrew word, siddhaq. I will meditate. I will, the emphasis there is confess. I will speak it out. This very week, I've been in the book of James as part of my daily devotions. And James chapter one says, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of heavenly lights. You know what that, do you know what meditating on that phrase, that verse did for me when I was doing that in James one this week? I literally did an inventory of every good thing in my life. 
And it made it a great day. <laughs> Whatever's going on in my world, it made that a great day. Why? Because I, I'm, I'm walking the dogs and I'm going, thank you for my dogs. I know that sounds weird, but it did. Thank you, because they bring me pleasure. They're wonderful. Thank you for my wife. Well, I mean, I put my wife first before the dogs. But you know what I mean? Thank you for the water as it came out of the tap. Thank you for the orange that I sliced for my breakfast. Thank you for my Weetabix and my blueberries and my Greek yogurt. Is it John, you're daft? No, no, we're not. You see, if you don't intentionally fill your mind with those things, your mind will be filled with other things. And where our mind dwells, our lives sit. Come on, are you with me? And so dwell, think about his person on the Lord. Think about his words to you. Think about his works. Now we can all do that. Now here's the thing, that won't just happen. That's the hard bit of this. If we could just put an SD card in everybody's head or just do a download or a, you know, a, new up, a new upgrade, that would be brilliant. But for that to happen, I've got to make a decision to say no to Bono and say yes to Isaiah, right? I've got to make some calls in my world that are pretty, pretty challenging. So, so let's think about the practice of meditations. I bring this to a close. I've got about five minutes or so. Is that okay? So, so hopefully online are still with me. Hope, hopefully you're still there. You're not, you haven't disappeared. So stay with me now for a few more minutes. What does meditation look like practically? Three little, well, big ideas, and then we'll talk about some practicalities as we land. The practice of meditation can look like contemplation. So what's contemplation? Contemplation is me deliberately thinking about something. Now, I think we live in a world today of knowledge obesity. Forgive me if that offends you, but I think we have a complete overload of knowledge in our world. So there's lots of people know stuff and don't know stuff. All right, we're nine miles wide on knowledge and one inch thick on a lot of stuff. So, so the danger is in the Google generation, in a generation where we can hit a button and get knowledge, we're just overloaded with knowledge. What we're trying to do with meditation is not just gather more knowledge, we're trying to lean into revelation. We're trying to lean into something that can change the way we think and then change the way we behave. It's not just more knowledge in your file that we're after, but we are leaning into that. We're, we're grabbing, and that's why I want to encourage you, meditation can sometimes be grabbing one idea, not just for a day, one idea for a week, one idea for a month. There's no rule on this. There's no, there's no time limit. There's no, okay, you've had long enough on that idea. Stop chewing. Okay, you can chew on that for as long as you wish. But what you're doing is you're filling your mind with who he is. You're filling your mind with what he said and you're filling your mind with what he's done. Meditation ensures that great truth doesn't simply become a passing thought. Second idea is confession. Learn to speak it out. Now, this for, for British people, sometimes this can be a, a challenge. There are other crews much more comfortable with this. But the idea of hearing something in your brain and then speaking it out, even if you're the only person in the room. It's cool to talk to yourself. It is. 
It's not a sign of madness. It's actually a sign of meditation. When we are talking to our souls, talking to ourselves, talking, as it were, the word of God over our lives, if you were following me around on an average day, you'd just hear me talking to myself. Now, I don't mean in, in a sort of a, a weird way, but, but speaking the word of God to myself. Because I've found the value of not just thinking about it, but letting the thought out. There's something powerful. The confession often completes the thought and allows the idea literally to crystallize and complete in our world. The confession many times completes the thought process. And so learn to confess. Thirdly, learn to have a conversation. Sometimes meditation is over dinner with someone. We tend to think of meditation as a very personal idea, but in the Jewish world, there would be an educational element to this idea where they would mutter, muse, converse aloud around the Word of God. They would literally all chew on the one piece of steak together. We did that last night, didn't we? In a a Turkish restaurant. Not literally the same piece of steak, but we talked about Jesus for most of the night. And what we were doing was meditating together out loud. You would call it a conversation. But actually, that's part of biblical meditation. Learning to get with people who want to have the same sort of conversation with us. So as I land this, let me give you some practical tips that I personally try to follow when it comes to meditation. Practical tips, because meditation is connected to the Word of God. Practical tip number one. If you can, when it comes to going deeper into the Bible... If you can, not always possible, if you can, find a space. Now, by space, I don't mean you have to build a special room on your house. What I mean is you're you're being intentional about where you go physically or where you go uh, in your thinking when it comes to reading the Bible. Find a space if you can. Make Make it special. Allow as it were, our attitude in finding that special place to say, Lord, I'm really listening to this. Some of the reasons we're not hearing is because, because there's a million other things going on in our world why we're trying to listen. Secondly, this is a hard one. You're being encouraged to do this in a few weeks' time. Turn off the noise. Hard one for the 21st century. Now listen, if you can read your Bible from your iPad or your iPhone without being distracted by Facebook, do it. If you can't, you need to go back to a real copy of the Bible. You're going to have to put your phone down. Yeah, but it's you version. Yeah, you version's great, but if you keep being distracted by your pop-ups, by the noises, by the buzzes, by the tingles and the jingles, then there's no point. Imagine, imagine if Jesus was in the room with you. Right. Imagine if Jesus was sitting facing you and you're having a convo with Jesus and your phone buzzed. What would you do? If you answer your phone, you're in big trouble. That's the wrong choice right there. Because here's what Jesus is going to do. He's, he's, he's going to wait till you're finished and he may have left by the time you're ready. All right. So, so it would be the height of rudeness if Jesus was in the room and your phone buzzed you. Let me just check my Facebook post. But we might be, so actually for some of us, we might literally have to turn down the noise. Thirdly, 
tune in your heart. Prepare your heart. Don't just, don't just jump into it. In lockdown, I've been learning to cook. My wife has been teaching me cooking skills. One of the things I've discovered about great food, it takes a while to prepare. You want good food? It's going to take a while. You can't rush good food. Come on, are you with me? You can't rush. You've got to prepare. And it's a bit like that with God's word. If you prepare, settle our hearts, invite the Holy Spirit in, open my eyes, O Lord, that I may see wonderful things in your law. Settle yourself. Take it really seriously. The chances, forgive my language, but the chances of hearing something increase. Read slowly. Can I say this to you? The Bible is not a race. Slow down. If you're reading the Bible so fast that you've forgotten what you've read before you go to work, it's too fast. There's nowhere in the Bible that says you have to read the Bible in a year. Now, if you want to do that, it's cool. As long as it's real and meaningful. If it's not meaningful, don't do it. Slow down. I read the Bible really slow, really slow. And I'm getting more out of it than I've ever got out of it. And I've been doing this a wee while. Slow down. If you can, almost there, read out loud. Now, for those of you who struggle to read, this is where something like version could help you because they have versions of the Bible that literally someone will read it for you. So if you're struggling to read, then let version read it for you, but follow along with the words. But there's something really powerful about reading a word and hearing a word. Early Christians, our first century brothers and sisters, would have very rarely got to read the text on their own. Most of them would have heard the Bible read because they didn't own a copy of the Bible themselves. So their overwhelming experience was hearing it read. And when you're listening, it's a different skill. You're tuning in your ear. Sometimes I've heard things in the Bible as I've read it that my brain was reading something differently in my head. I was missing the gaps or missing the words. And lastly, record something that speaks to you. Record it on your phone. Write it down. Whatever's good for you, record it. Or if you've got a great memory, and that's where it sits, record it and then rehearse it. Just try that. Try it. Have a go at it. The challenge will be the noise of your world will be baying against this. The challenge will be that actually there'll be a million things calling for your attention. Every single part of what I've just recommended you will not be easy. But it is worth it. Come on, it is worth it. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray for you. The psalmist said in Psalm 19, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Meditating is for many Christians just a concept, an idea, but actually it can be something deeply, deeply practical. Something you can pull into the everyday. Something that you can engage in as part of your worship 
as part of your Bible reading, as part of your every day. You don't have to climb to the top of a mountain and be on your own there for 40 days in order to train yourself to meditate. It can be something you grab a piece of God's Word, you you chew over that, you rehearse that, you think about it, you speak it out, and give give it a chance to speak to you. And I want to encourage you to think about that. The Bible says that when we meditate on his word, we get planted, we are prosperous, and we are powerful. That actually there's a fruitfulness that comes out of our lives only because we engage with that word. And that word engages with with us. So let me pray for you right now that the Lord will help us. Holy Spirit, I just pray for the men and women that are gathered in this room who've made the effort to be here because they want to physically be in the room with others and they're able to do that. We pray for our online community, maybe people who are shielding or people who have been unable uh, to be with us today for whatever reason. But Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that for each of us, there will be an openness to the Word of God. Lord, we recognize that the voice of Bono calls. And in many ways, that voice is easier to respond to than the voice of your word. But I pray, Lord Jesus, for each one of us that we will have the courage to go deeper, that we will have the courage to make, as it were, that place, that we will have the courage to turn off the noise, to tune in our hearts, to slow down how we read, to maybe for the first time read the word of God to ourselves out loud. And Lord, whatever you say to us, to record and to rehearse so that that word can be in us and live through us. And Lord, I pray that the words of our hearts, that the thoughts of our minds, that the meditations we have will be pleasing in your sight. And that, Lord, as we give ourselves to you, as we give ourselves to your word, your word will enrich us and fill us. And so, Lord, in Jesus' name, may each of us walk a pathway of delight in your word. And may it be our everyday experience to meditate upon it and to be transformed by it. In Jesus' name, amen.